Hey folks, welcome back to Holy Spirit Soapbox. This is Dan once again. And today we're going to get into wrath. Wrath is one of those things that we just attribute, I don't know, evil or just this anger and this this feeling of just like, oh, I, I hate the feeling when I think of wrath. I just think of somebody that hates somebody else. That's That's what I get at least, or that's what I used to get, I should say. And a lot of people make this assumption when they're talking about God. Some people see God as this evil God or this angry God. And I used to, again, I used to see God like this and I used to see wrath like this. Many see wrath as this really negative thing. Okay, this really horrific situation, right? That either you're put into by somebody else or that you put yourself into, okay? That somebody has wrath on you or you have wrath on somebody else or something has wrath on you because you put yourself in that situation, right? And many non-believers are familiar with the story of Noah's Ark, okay? It's one of the most quoted stories of wrath used by people to show how, quote-unquote, bad God is. We also hear of other forms of wrath throughout the Bible, you know, things like the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, plagues of Pharaoh and, and Egypt, and then Jesus flipping a table and more. There's so many different aspects of wrath throughout the Bible. And every single one of these stories of wrath sprout from one thing. Love. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. Killing everyone on earth in a flood is a form of love? How? Why? The issue with just reading the Bible with, without A, understanding God's heart, or B, knowing the context around these stories, and also C, knowing what life was like during each of these time periods is extremely dangerous. If you just read the Bible and just read it verbatim and just, wow, that sounds awful, that's very dangerous. It's so dangerous that it may take part in leading to, well, God's wrath, <laughs> because it's that dangerous where we start making assumptions on our own. When we read Revelation and prophecies within Daniel and other books of the Bible of, of great tribulations, and, and basically what is to come on earth in this physical realm, we see that things will get a little bit hairy. We hear of plagues, earthquakes, uh, disease, poisonings, and all these other things while Jesus readies himself to make this triumphant return. And all of this horrific stuff happens, and we can't help to ask ourselves, why would God allow this all to happen? Why does he destroy things and flip tables and stuff? Like, why, why is he doing all this? Again, the answer is love. And I have this really bad analogy I'm going to say right now, but hopefully it all makes sense in a bit. But unfortunately, you may have seen like news stories of wild animals that attack humans or maybe even kill humans in and around their homes. And in living in Colorado, we saw this all the time. And then you know that sometimes euthanizing or putting these animals down is the only way to protect them and others. Now, again, a very loosely fitting analogy because we're not animals. Humans are not animals and we're created in the image of God. But we're given free will. And the animals use their free will to cause destruction that affected more than just themselves. Now, it's hard to explain free will. But 
Free will is extremely necessary in the creation of mankind. And we're going to explain God's will versus our free will in an upcoming episode. But without free will, things like true, experienced love and joy and peace and hope, they, they don't exist without free will. And some people argue, oh yeah, you can still feel it in your heart. You can still feel... No, you can't. Without free will, you can't even experience the feeling internally because in the Bible it even says it. If, if you're feeling something in your heart or if something's in your heart or if your heart is somewhere, you're going to let that out in word or you're going to let that out in action. So love, joy, peace, and hope and, and all that stuff it does not exist. And then also sadness and all those things don't exist either. You're just a robot. Okay, but I'm, I'm sure you've heard the old statement, without pain, we'd never know joy. Well, free will is just that. God created us to enjoy the things he's created. But with that free will of enjoying these things comes selfishness and greed. Right? Because we want to seek even more joy or fulfillment. But in the end, as you know, we never are fully satisfied. And that's why we need Christ. In God Alelogram, I still love that word that we created. I feel so prideful. But in God Alelogram, we explain this God-sized hole in our hearts that nothing on earth can fill. Full satisfaction comes from God. Because in the midst of buying things or doing sexually immoral things and or seeking worldly pleasures to give us this quick false feeling of satisfaction, we always become discontent and want to seek more. We always do. With Christ, however, we gain everything we need and know we will have this full joy for eternal life in heaven. We know this. And we have to understand that every one of these stories given to us in the Bible is for a really good reason. Okay, Every single story is for a reason, for a purpose. And first off, they're true events, whether in the world, historically, or within the spiritual world happening at this very moment, but all of which are to reflect God's love for us. Okay, Dan, I get it. God loves us, and that's why he has wrath. That's why he drowned all of us <laughs> in the days of Noah and all these things. Yes, and I'm going to get to it right now, I promise. Okay, so I have a better analogy for you than that other animal one, okay? If there's a tree in your backyard that keeps dropping like nuts or acorns or branches onto your child's head when he or she is playing outside, causing them pain, then you'll cut off some of the branches, right? But if the tree keeps growing and continues to cause other destructive issues that cause pain to your children or your home or you, you may consider totally destroying the tree. And sometimes it's for the benefit of all to cut it down. This is God's wrath in a nutshell. No pun intended there, I promise. God allows us to have free will and make decisions that may not be the greatest decisions for ourselves and or mankind. He allows us to use the free will for ourselves if we really want to. And he intervenes when he sees fit. All of those biblical stories we mentioned earlier, the flood, the plagues, Sodom and Gomorrah, and Jesus flipping the table in a place of worship, all happened because people decided to follow down a path of complete destruction of themselves and others. This is where context and situations in the Bible are really important because the people during Noah's day totally forgot about God. They didn't incorporate God in their lives at all. Noah and his family were essentially the only upright people left or ones that followed God. 
And we read this in Genesis chapter 6, verses 9 through 12. I'll read it for you. This is the NIV. It says this. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. Now this was a time where people might have known that some sort of God existed, but they didn't care or they didn't know who he was. Okay, They were so self-indulgent on their own wants and desires, and although these worldly desires didn't satisfy them, they kept desiring more and more until it started to totally destroy them and others. A prime example of this in Genesis is Lamech. He's a descendant of Cain. He even bragged about how he killed a man and was also married to multiple wives. These people were so lost that it wasn't just destroying them. Many others were in danger of being destroyed, using their free will to destroy them and others. And as I mentioned earlier with my poor analogy at first about the animal and the tree that keeps hurting your children or your communities, which in turn hurts you, when God feels people have have gone too far away from him to the point that it's going to destroy the very creation that he loves, he has to get rid of the things that are hurting his children, even if that means other creation. Now, I'm not going to go deep into every story of wrath, okay? But the Pharaoh saw himself as a god and enslaved and killed people, primarily God's chosen subjects, the Jews, okay? People of Sodom and Gomorrah caused so much mayhem that people didn't feel safe in those cities and the surrounding areas because of their sexual immorality that was going on and the other immoral actions. And then those Pharisees and Sadducees and other Jewish leaders who were meant to show others God's love and show the Jews how to to give people God's love or to spread God's love, love money more than God. And they sold sacrificial animals at inflated prices in the temple, causing Jesus to flip the tables because others were feeling the pain from the inflated prices. And the list goes on. The list goes on. And keep keep in mind as well, his wrath may include self-provoked wrath. This means he may allow things to happen which cause death and destruction that we have caused to ourselves, but he intervenes in his timing, not ours. Wrath is not something God just does just because. He doesn't just do it to watch us squirm. He doesn't hate us. He doesn't just want to do it or he doesn't have that feeling of wanting to hurt us. He does it because he knows what will come out of whatever we're doing. He knows that continuing to follow this path will lead to the pure destruction of his creation, you included, and and that's something he never wants. Hence, why he gave us the path to eternal life in Jesus. If he wanted us to just struggle here on earth for fun, right? If he wanted to just pick on us all the time, financially or uh, maybe a disability or illness or whatever it is, and he just wanted that for us and he wanted to hurt us, he would have never gave us the option for eternal life in Jesus Christ, right? He would have just had a struggle and then kill us, <laughs> That's right? If he was really a bad God, if he was this God that hated us, he would do that. And, and for those of you thinking, Hey, does this mean that none of those people in Noah's day have that ability to be saved because Noah was before Jesus? I actually don't have that answer because I know God's heart. I don't know his mind. 
Maybe all of them right at the end of the flood, when they knew they were going to die, they gave their lives to God. I don't know. Maybe the ones that, like Lamech, that continued on. Maybe Lamech did too. Maybe he gave his life to God at the very end. Or maybe he just continued on his path until he died. And the people nowadays that just go on their lives, go on with their lives without knowing Jesus, without giving their lives to Jesus, I don't know if God has some form of salvation for these people who self-destructed so far that he found the need to eliminate them or allow them to be eliminated or allow them to, to, to pass away here on earth. I don't know. I don't know. But if you're listening right now, that means you have ears and you can hear and that means you're alive. Praise God, right? And if you're listening right now, that means you can give your life to Jesus Christ if you haven't already. And then you have eternal life and you don't have to worry about, well, what happens if I'm not saved and then, you know, I die or something. It, it, you are saved if you give your life to Christ right now. But for those that did not, I'm not sure. But we have to remember regardless that wrath is because of love. God loves us so much, he doesn't want for us to destroy ourselves in his other creation. He doesn't want for us to take all the pigs into the mud after they're clean, right? We talked about this in a different episode. He doesn't, you're nice and clean, right, when you start following God. And then if you fall into sin and you keep falling into sin, and then you take all these other people with you, everybody starts falling into sin. It's just this total destructive thing and he doesn't want that he wants all of us to have eternal life with him because he loves us that is why there's wrath and that's why he allows wrath to occur now i have four verses to meditate on i'll read them out loud and then we'll go over them really quickly if you want to read along with me feel free but i'll read them out loud to you here's your first verse psalm 37 And this is from the ESV. It says, Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. It sounds a little contradictory, doesn't it? Or maybe almost like a a hypocrisy in in this sense where God gives wrath, but we can't. Well, yeah, because our anger is different. It's usually self motivated, whereas God's anger and wrath pertains to love. Of all of his creation, not just one individual, but all of his creation. Second verse here. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. This is from the New King James Version. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Right? Again, our wrath or avenging ourselves or our family is is usually self-centered, self-motivated. Let God do the vengeance. When we take anger and wrath into our own hands, it leads to nothing but destruction. We're instructed by Jesus to love others as he has loved us, not commit wrath, (laughs) bring wrath upon people. Love others as he loved us. Next, we have two verses. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 and 27. This is New King James as well. It says this, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Anger is just when the origin of the anger comes from those wanting to eliminate God and or hurt those oppressed because of Jesus' name. That's when anger is just. It's still not a fruit of the Spirit, but the anger is just when that origin comes from, you know, if somebody's trying to get rid of God in general, or they hate God and they make that pronounced, they say that out loud, or they're hurting and oppressing people because of Jesus' name, 
then it's okay to lament and also be angry at that situation. But as Romans 12.19 says that we just read, it's not our vengeance, but the Lord's vengeance. And then finally in James, we have two verses here too. James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. And again, these are all in the description as well if you want to go back to these. But James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, New King James says this. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. If others saw us as angry or wrathful during hardships... It would not portray God's righteousness. We don't exactly know how to perform vengeance correctly from wrath. And this anger we have may be based on selfishness. It's better to allow God to be the judge of all things. Finally, we have three questions. These are also in the description if you want to revisit them. We'd love to hear from you as well. If, if you have answers to these questions or if you have questions about these questions or questions about any of the episodes, please feel free to reach out to us at HolySpiritSoapbox at gmail.com or go on our website. You can chat with us there. Here are your three questions. Number one, how has your understanding of God's wrath changed after this episode? If at all, maybe you're like, I knew this, Dan. This is easy. Or maybe you're like, wow, I thought God's wrath was like him just being a jerk <laughs> or he was just mean. This changed my mind about him. How, how has your understanding of God's wrath changed after this episode? Question two. Think back to when you had anger and presented wrath in a current situation. What did that solve? And how did it drive forward God's love? And question three. Based on the episode contents and the, the Bible verses you've meditated on, what can you do in times of anger? Thank you so much. I would love to pray over you right now. If you can and it's safe, please take your prayer posture and let's talk to God. Our Holy Father, you love us so much that you will do anything and everything to ensure we are not taken away from you. When we go prodigal and lose ourselves in this world, you step in to remind us how amazing it is to be with you and to be part of your family. We never want to look back at our previous selves. And we ask that you... Keep us from falling into the traps that lead us to destruction and wrath. We pray for others to do the same so that we can help guide them back to your grace. And we pray all of this in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen.